Thank you for joining us today here at Emmanuel, where we are one church with multiple locations. And we believe that God wants to bless you right where you are. In a few moments, you're going to hear some practical teachings from God's Word that we hope is inspiring and relevant to your life. If this service blesses you and you would like to give financially, you can do so at eclife.org. Click on Give and choose Online Viewer as your campus. Thank you again for joining us and get ready for an incredible, life-changing message. Well, good morning, church. How are you feeling today? Come on, you feeling all right? How many of you are excited to be here today? You excited to be here today? I sure hope you are. I am fired up today. We are starting a brand new series. I always love starting new series because they're getting into some new content. And that's kind of exciting. And uh, so we're going to dive into that in just a few moments. But before we do, I want to give all of our first-time guests a big round of applause. Can we just welcome our first-time guests? Love you guys. Thank you. Here's the deal. Somebody has dragged you here. Somebody has begged you to come. Somebody has maybe even bribed you from saying, hey, I'll buy your lunch if you come. That happens a lot. Uh, it, they, the reason they're doing that is because they love you and they want you to hear. They want you to experience this God that loves us and cares about us. They want you to have an interaction with him. And that's our hope and our prayer for you. And that's why they're so excited that you are here with us today. First time guests. Also, I want to acknowledge our online guests really quick. Can we give them some love right now? Everybody watching online. Excited to see you guys. It's incredible. We have people literally from all over the world tuning in, tuning in right now. People in Germany, people in Indonesia, people in India, uh, people in Denmark, people in Italy. I'm not kidding. We, we can see where you're tuning in from. And so we say welcome to all of you literally watching all over the world. Friends in Colombia. Can we give our friends in Colombia a hand right now? Love you guys for watching. It's just amazing what God can do through, multi, through media and uh, we can get our message out and hopefully you're blessed today uh, by this message as you're watching online. I had a friend who actually texted me this morning and said, hey, I'm in the hospital. I've got these crazy migraines. They won't go away. But guess what? I can tune in on the live feed and be at church while I'm in the hospital. Amen for that. Is that exciting? <clears throat> so. Be generous. That's the name of our new series today, Be Generous. And, and uh, how many of you guys know someone who is incredibly generous in your life? Go ahead and raise your hand. Yeah, may, may, I want you to think of them right now. I want you to think of who that person is. Is it, is, it, is it a parent? Is it a coach from the past? Maybe it's a, someone in your life right now. Uh, maybe it's a teacher, a friend. Maybe it's a boss or a fellow employee. Isn't it, isn't it exciting to be around a generous person? I mean, tell me, isn't it true that, that you're kind of drawn to that person? Like, there's just something about them. There's almost, this is almost like a mag magnetic, like, draw to them. Have you noticed that? It's just, it's just kind of fun to be around a generous person. I don't, I don't know what it is. I think it's because you never know what's going to happen. Like, they, they can see a need, and, and all of a sudden, they're meeting that need, or they always get into something that's kind of like out extraordinary, outside of the normal, you know, happenings in our lives. And it's like, well, what are, you, what are you up to now? Well, you know, there's this need and I decided to kind of try to meet it. And, and it's like, oh, okay. You know, it's just an excitement to their life. Have you noticed this? Yes or no? I love being around generous people because I get to see literally the activity of God in their life. You know, because God is actually looking for people to kind of like bless and he blesses people through other people. Have you noticed this? And so generous people are like caught up in the activity 
of God. You know, the Bible talks about wanting to be around generous people. Uh, the, the Bible speaks about this issue in Proverbs chapter 19, verse 6. It says, many seek the favor of a, say it with me, a generous man, a generous person. And everyone is a friend to a man who gives gifts. Now, I don't think the Bible is actually giving us, like, instructions here. I think it's just pointing out, you know, maybe the darker side of humanity, that the reason why we're sort of drawn to generous people is because we might get something for who? ourselves. Now, that's not really what I'm talking about. That's certainly not what I'm going to promote in this series, okay? But it's just a reality. I love the Bible because it talks about the reality that some people cozy up next to generous people in hopes to get something for who? Themselves. That's not really not what I'm going to talk about. I'm going to talk about, uh, I'm going to talk about becoming the generous person that God has created you to be because you actually get caught up in the work of God. It's a beautiful thing to be a generous person in this world. What does it mean to be generous? It means to be liberal in giving. It means to, to freely give away the resources that you have. And I'm not just talking about money. I'm talking about time. I'm talking about knowledge. I'm talking about skills. I'm talking about whatever God has given you. You freely and liberally give it away becoming a generous person. It's exciting to be a generous person. You know, if you're a note taker today, and I hope you are because we forget most of what we don't write down. Do you agree with this? Right? If you're a note taker, grab your pen. Here's your first fill-in. You know, Christians, people of faith, disciples, followers of Jesus are supposed to be the most generous people alive today. That's a fact. That's a fact. Christ followers are supposed to be the most generous people alive today. And here's the reason why. Because we are claiming that we believe in the most generous being in the universe. Like we are claiming that the, that the most generous being in the universe is our savior. He's our example. He's the one we have faith in. He's the one we put our confidence in. He's the one we get instruction from. He's the one we get inspiration from. Like that's what Christ followers are saying. In the Bible, it says this in 1 John chapter 4, verse 9. God showed how much he loved us by sending his one and only son. Notice it doesn't say, you know, one out of 20. Like Jesus, like Jesus wasn't just one out of 20 sons that God had in heaven. Like he didn't go down the list and say, boys, line up. We've got to send one of you to earth <laughs> to bring eternal life to humanity, you know. Oh, Jesus, let, oh, you just look like you're ready to go. You know, he didn't do that. He didn't pick one out of 20. It was his one and only son, his most prized possession, his most treasured possession. He said, Jesus, you're going to go down to earth, and here's what you're going to do. You're going to die on a cross. You're going to pave the way. You're going to build a bridge so that all humanity might have eternal life through you. God spared no price so that you can have life in him. He is the most generous being in the universe. Yes or no? Christ followers, right? Like you could not be more generous than God. He gave his one and only son for you and me. Then the Bible turns around and says to us, through the Apostle Paul, through a letter he wrote to the Christians in Ephesus, in Ephesians chapter 5, verse 1 and 2, this is what the Bible says to us. Therefore, be imitators of this incredibly generous God. I'm adding a little bit there. Be imitators. The, the, the Greek word here is to mimic the way a son mimics his father, the way a daughter mimics her mother, the way a player imitates or, or mimics their favorite you know, athlete who's, who's, in, who's a professional. In other words, do exactly what he or she does. Mimic God. Imitate God as dearly beloved children. We just got done singing a song, I am a child of God. We could have kept going, right? That was a powerful worship set. Thank you, team. Right? 
I am a child of God, I am a child of God. Paul says this, imitate, mimic your heavenly father as his child, he is your heavenly father. How do we do that? In what way should we mimic God or imitate God? Watch this, walk in love as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us as a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. Let the love of God so flow in your heart that it overflows in generosity and you are giving to other people. See, Christ followers ought to be the most generous people in the world. The Bible says in Proverbs 21, verse 26, some people are always greedy for more. Doesn't that describe our culture today? Come on, right? It's all about me. Give me some more. I want some more. It's all about me. You, right? That's, that's our culture today. A lot of people are just greedy for more and more and more. But watch this. The godly love to, say it with me, give. People of faith, people who say that Jesus is Lord, Jesus is my Messiah, we ought to love to give. Like, where's my opportunity to give? Like, today, what's, what am I going to give away today? Who am I going to give to today? That ought to be the thing that we love to do. Christians ought to be the most generous people on the planet today. The problem is, if you're a note taker, is that there is no epidemic of generosity today among Christ followers. You don't hear it on the news. You don't read about it in the newspapers. You don't see it inside the churches. You know, I don't hear other pastors saying, we just, we had to stop people from giving. Like our bank accounts were too, it was too much money. We thought we started giving it back to the people. Like you don't hear about that. Here's what I hear from other pastors. Yeah, we're short. We're always short. We don't have enough. That's what I hear from other pastors. There is no epidemic of generosity among Christ followers today. Several years ago, there's a book that came out called The Paradox of Generosity. I mentioned it last year. It's based on a five-year study done called The Science of Generosity, uh, the, the initiative. And two people uh, did the study, Christian Smith and Hillary Davidson. And, and based on, on, their, on their, their five years of research, they did over 2,000 surveys. They interviewed over 60 people in-depth interviews over 12 different states across the country. They came up with some staggering, groundbreaking data for us. Anybody like pie, chart, pie charts? Any pie chart lovers out there? And I didn't say pies. I know some of us like pies. Not real pies, but pie charts. Watch this. In their notes, this is what they discovered. 14% of Americans give 2% or more of their income. 14%. 86% give 2% or less. Powerful idea. That's what the data showed. 2,000 surveys, 60 interviews. If you don't like pie charts, how many of you like a, a good bar graph? Uh, yes, bar, not a good bar, but a good bar, bar graph. <laughs> Here's where we go. Watch this. Let's break down those numbers. Let's break down the pie chart. 45% give absolutely zero to charitable, charitable organizations, churches, and stuff like that. 41% give less than 2%. 9% of Americans give between 2 and 5. 3% of Americans give between 5 and 10. And just 2% of Americans give 10% of their income. There is no epidemic of generosity today among Americans. And here's the deal. And the reason I'm talking about Americans in general is because 86% of us say that we have a relationship with Jesus Christ. We're claiming that we're Christians. Americans. And this isn't just about money. The, the book goes in, into detail about other ways that people express generosity. In particular, one is volunteer time. Listen to another, another pie chart, if those of you who love pie charts. 24% of Americans on a monthly basis volunteer their time. 76% zero. Absolutely zero volunteerism. 
It's staggering. If you like the bar graph, let me show you the bar graph. This is in the book. You can get it and see it yourself. 77%, absolutely zero volunteering. No time. All their time is themselves. It's my time. I'll do with it what I want. 10% give between 1 and 10 hours. 9% between 11 and 39. And just 4% 40 plus hours on a monthly basis. There is no epidemic of generosity among Americans today, and in particular among Christians. This is the the conclusion of the study. I want to read it to you. This is what they say in the book. Americans, by their own admission, live fairly ungenerous lives. They do not, for example, engage in much or any volunteer financial giving to valued organizations or good causes. They do not volunteer their time and labor to help others in need. They do not extend themselves much in relationships with family, friends, and neighbors. That's just what their study concluded. There is no epidemic of generosity today. And the Barna research that studies Christians and born-again Christians, they discovered that the, the data is pretty much the same for born-again Christians. Slightly different, but the average Christ follower gives 3% of their income to local churches or charities. 3%. And we ought to be the most generous people in the world. And we're no different from average Americans in our country today. What's the problem? What's the problem? Why is that... Why is that the case? Why aren't we more generous as a group of people that say, that, that say we follow the most generous being in the universe? Well, I think in part, I think in part we can make the argument, and I think you'd believe this, that we live in a culture today that has sold us the idea that the true life or good life or, or, or life to the full is a life where you, where you have a lot of money and you can buy a lot of stuff, right? Do you agree, yes or no? Like that's the American dream. And what's valued in this country is if you have a lot of money and you can buy whatever you wanna buy and that's the good life. I think this started back you know, when, when, when Robin Leach came on. Do you remember this? I'm dating myself a little bit, but Robin Leach and the lifestyles of the rich and famous. I am Robin Leach, this is the lifestyles. I can't say his accent, okay, anyway. Some of you are way too young, you have no idea what I'm talking about, but there used to be this TV show where you get on there and they would study the lifestyles of all these famous people and their limousines and their mansions and all that stuff, and then after the show was over, you felt like a loser. <laughs> Correct? Yes or no? Well, then, then it, that lifestyles of the rich and famous moved into MTV Cribs. Now, I grew up on MTV Cribs. Anybody else? Now, you know, I'm dating myself again there, but that's okay, you know? MTV Cribs is basically the show where they take the cameras and they go into these famous people's houses and they show you their basements with the, with the, you know, the movie theater and the surround sound and all this cool stuff in their house and the marble and this and that. And then they go in the backyard and they show you their cool pools. I remember one in particular, never forget it. It was Shaquille O'Neal's house, big shack. Remember they, on the show, they showed his, his, uh, his customized Hummer. Uh, that was back in the day when Hummers were cool. Remember Hummers? Some people still have them. Not cool. Anyway, <laughs> but it was real cool to have a Hummer, you know, back then. And so, but then they took you into Shaq's backyard. And man, I'm just watching this. I'm about 16 years old. And the pool is it's just sprawling pool and there's waterfalls. Remember this episode? Anybody? Okay, there's, there's, there's waterfalls and there's this jump, there's this diving board that's 10 feet high and Shaq jumps off and it's just all oh, this, this is so cool and luxury everywhere. And I'm just sitting there as a 16 year old and I'm thinking, this is the life right here. If I don't live Shaq's life when I get older, I'm gonna be a loser. <laughs> and I believe that. I believe that like somewhere like mm, right here, like I gotta be rich. Like that's the life. We have been sold that idea. Yes or no? Come on, guys. And so the idea of, of, of being generous, like giving it away, not keeping it for myself and hoarding it, that, that somehow that is the true way to life. 
or happiness? I don't know about that. See, I believe the real reason that there's not an epidemic of generosity is that in your notes is that there is no vision. We have not seen a vision of what it looks like to live a generous life. We have, not, we have no compelling reason to say, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to start to give away 50% of my income. We have not seen someone go before us like MTV Cribs or the Lifestyles of the Rich and Famous and say, this is tr- the true way to life and happiness. And so because we have no vision, we have no motivation. I was reading a couple of years ago about how people in third world countries and foreign countries have a voracious desire to learn English. And now since I've been to Haiti and I've been to Nicaragua and I've been to Colombia and I've been to different places, I don't travel a lot, but I've been to at least three different places that could be put in the category of third world, at least parts of them. I've seen it. Not everybody, but I've seen a hunger to learn English. and as you probe into that and you think about that and say, why? why? Why are people, why are they so hungry to learn English? And here, here's why they're hungry. Because they believe that if they can learn English, their life will expand. Opportunities will open up. Doors will open if they could just learn English. Is that not true in this world today? It is true. In part, that's very true. It's not a guarantee, but that's very true. If you learn English in our world today and you live in a third world country, opportunities will open up to you. And so they learn it and they want to talk. And when, when an American comes, they want, to, they want to talk to the American to practice their English. I've experienced it myself. And I think about our country and how we would like to learn a foreign language. Anybody here would like to learn a foreign language? I would. Yeah. Have you done it? No. You haven't? I haven't either. I think it's a cool idea to learn Spanish. I haven't done it. And I'm half Puerto Rican. Like, that's ridiculous. <laughs> you know? I don't even know Spanish. Why don't I know Spanish? I have no reason to learn Spanish. I have no vision. What is Spanish going to do for me besides help me on a mission trip? <laughs> it's not going to do anything for me. And so I have no motivation. I've got no vision. See, motivation comes from the vision. If, if, if I want to be a generous person, I have to capture a vision. I have to see it go before me. I have to see that a generous life is actually a better life of accumulating and taking more and more and more for myself so I can have more money and build bigger things. That's the vision I currently have. That's the vision that you currently have. We have no vision, and so we hold on to it. and say, well, I don't know. If I let it, if I let it go, I'm not sure it's going to bring me life. I'm going to hold it back. Well... You know what this series is about? I'm going to try the best of my ability, God's help, to use my words to paint a picture of a, of a different vision so that you can have some motivation to step into a generous life. That's what this three-week series is going to be about. And I'm included because I, do, I got the MTV Cribs thing going on in here too, just like you do, okay? Yes, I read the Bible every day. Yes, I try to pray all the time. But, but I'm st- I bought that. I bought that lie years ago. It still affects me today. Ooh, I gotta hold it. <laughs> Happiness is really, you know, from, you know, money and stuff. So I'm with you on this journey towards generosity. So it's, it's with that, in, in light of all of that, I think that Paul writes to Timothy in 1 Timothy chapter 6 to try to give him a vision of what it looks like to live a generous life. Listen to what he says. I'm gonna pull out this, this couple of verses here. Paul tells Timothy, who's deci- who he's discipling, command those who are rich in this present world not to be arrogant or to put their hope 
and wealth. Now, let me pause here real quick. This is an interesting thought. We oftentimes in America, we think of rich as rich people like Tiger Woods or Michael Jordan or, you know, people who've got tons and tons of money and, and, and that is definitely rich, but that's not what this, that's not what Paul is talking about here. He's talking about the kind of rich where you have everything you need and then you have some extra after that. That's what rich is. And so if we, if we look at, at that definition of rich or that target as what it means to be a rich person, we all sort of qualify as rich people. In fact, if you make about $37,000 a year, you're in the top 4% of earners in the world. That's worth repeating. If you make $37,000 a year or a little bit more than that, you are in the top 4% of earners in the world. Listen to what Andy Stanley says in his book, How to Be Rich. This is incredible. He says, if you earn $37,000 a year in the top 4% of earners in the world, congratulations, you're in the top 4%. You're in the club. You are rich. Now, I'm guessing that this startling realization didn't cause you to leave the comfort of your couch to dance around the room, but you should have. On the world scale, you should have no problems at all other than a handful of rich person problems. I love this. He says, problems that the majority of the folks on the planet would love to have, like bad cell phone coverage. That's a rich person problem. Can't decide where to go on vacation. Rich person problem. My computer crashed, slow internet, car trouble, flight delays, Amazon. Amazon didn't have my size. All rich person problems. Next time there's a watering ban in your neighborhood, just remember that many people, mostly women, carry jugs on their heads for hundreds of yards, hours a day, just so that they can have water for cooking and drinking. They just can't imagine a place where there's so much extra water that house after house after house sprays it all over their grass. They can't imagine it. So when, when the Bible says command those who are rich, we have to understand who, what we're talking about here. We're talking about people that have all their basic needs met plus a little extra. That includes every single one of us. Listen to what he says. Command those who are rich in this present world not to look down on others. Don't, don't think you're better because that money doesn't make you better, right? Or put your help in wealth, which is uncertain, right? Anybody have any money grow wings and fly away? <laughs> we have. Tell <laughs> that story another day which is so uncertain, but to put their hope in God. Don't commit idolatry. Don't, don't, let, don't let money become number one in your life. Let God be number one in your life, who, who richly supplies everything for your enjoyment. And he says this, command. We don't like that word as Americans, do we? This is the land of the free and the home of the brave, right? We don't like to be commanded to do anything. Paul says, command them, those who are rich in this world, to do good, to be rich in good deeds. And here it is right here. And to what? Be, say with me, generous. And willing to share. Let me tell you why, he says. Here's, here's why. Watch this. In doing so, or in this way, they will lay up treasure for themselves as a firm foundation for the coming age. What's he talking about? He's talking about you got to take the long view. He's talking about the next life. We live here, right? And our life on earth is just a little, little, little bitty, bitty, bitty sliver. You are an eternal being who's going to go on and spend eternity, either heaven or in hell. you got to think about the long view. Paul says, as you're generous in this life now, you'll be laying up treasures for yourself in the next life. We're going to talk about that next week. Got to have a vision. They'll take the long view. Here's what I want to focus today. Watch this. So that they may take hold of the life that is truly life. Folks, there has, there, we have been lied to. That life that is truly life is a life of accumulating stuff and having lots and lots of money. 
That is true life, is what our world says. And it is a lie. Paul says, you know what? You know where real life is found? It's found when you open up your hands and you become willing to share and you become generous and rich in good deeds, then and only then will you find life that is truly life. Jesus said it like this one time, whoever tries to hold on to his life will lose it, but whoever gives his life away for my sake and for my kingdom will find it. It's a paradox. In fact, this whole book is written. It's not even a Christian book. This whole book is written about the paradox of generosity. Happiness, here's the conclusions of the book. Happiness doesn't come by accumulating and saying it's all mine. Happiness and well-being comes when we open up our hearts and our hands. It's a paradox. It's amazing. So for the rest of our series, what I'm going to try to do is kind of paint a picture of what that looks like. And today I'm just going to give you a first thought. Next week another and then next week another. The first thought is this. What does that look like? I'm going to try to paint a picture for you. A generous life looks like people are experiencing increased happiness. They're experiencing increased happiness. Now, I know that all of you have had the experience of receiving before. Christmas morning, birthdays, we've all received gifts. Doesn't it make you feel happy? I mean, come on, you can be honest. Go ahead, raise your hand. That's good, right? Makes you feel happy to receive. I, I saw some pens that my wife had the other day. It was probably last month. And I was like, oh, those are really cool pens. And I'm a pen lover. Any pen lovers out there? I know it's weird. I like all different types of pens, the way they write, the way they feel, the way they smell sometimes. <laughs> sometimes I dream about pens. I know, it's weird. So she's got these really cool pens, and I said to her, I said, wow, I'd like to have a set of those pens. You know, sometimes you say something to your spouse. Those of you who are married, you know this. Sometimes you say something. You don't think they hear you because they're busy, right? And so I thought she probably didn't hear me. But I said to her, I said, would you order me some of those pens? You know, I'd like to have some. And so just, you know, I think I brought it up one more time. What do you think? I said one more time. I was like, hey, did you find those pens? You know, something like that. Because um, I love pens, you know what I'm saying? I know it's weird, it's geeky. Oh, okay, whatever. And so, so, like, it wasn't just like a couple of days later, maybe a week later, all of a sudden I see a set of these pens and I think that they're hers because it's the same pens. And so I pick them up and, I, and I'm like, oh, look, here's the pens again. And I was about to say, hey, did you ever, did you ever order me a set? You know? <laughs> and she says, those are yours. I was like, mine? <laughs> I opened them up. I started to feel them. I noticed that there's a yellow and a red and a blue. I don't have a yellow pen. I don't have a brown pen. I don't have a, a turquoise pen. And I got very, very excited <laughs> about these pens. And I, I quickly, you know, them, I held them to my chest. No, I didn't do that, but. <laughs> Here's what happened. I kid you not. There was an increased, noticeably increased level of happiness inside of my soul because of silly pens. Here's what, and now, with that being said, I know you've all had that experience at some level when you've received something. Here's what Jesus said. It is more blessed. This Greek word is makarios. It is more blessed, meaning there is more happiness available to those who give than to those who receive. Do I believe that? Because I sure do like to receive. Write them, brown pen. Who has a brown pen? I do, I do, right here. <laughs> Jesus said when you, when you give, it actually makes you feel better than when you receive. There's more happiness available to those who are generous than there are to those who just take and receive. 
You know there's a whole body of science behind this now. There's studies being done, different, different people, different brains, brain, you know, sur- surgeons, not surgeons, but uh, people who study the brain, neuro, neuro, I don't know what they're called. <laughs> neuro something or others. Anyway, I know they're studying this stuff and they put their research out there. One guy's name is Dr. Jordan Grafman. And he did a study on 19 people and put, put them in a room and presented them with opportunities to give to different organizations. And as, listen, this is incredible. This study was done, this was published in the Wall Street Journal back in 2013. You can check it out. It's an article called Hardwired to Give. It's fantastic. Dr. Jordan Gaffman studied these people as they were giving to charitable organizations and they had them all hooked up to machines and they were watching their brain waves. And what they saw as people were giving away their money was that the brain was reacting and that endorphins were being released, and dopamine was being released in the brain. Those are the drugs that bring pleasure, the pleasure drugs, natural pleasure drugs in our brains. This is what Dr. Gaffman concluded after his study. Giving is actually inherently rewarding. The brain churns out, I love this, the brain churns out a pleasurable response when we engage in generosity. In the paradox of generosity, they had a bunch of scientists do some similar studies. This is what they found. Generosity triggers triggers chemical systems in the brain and the body that increase pleasure experiences of reward, reduce stress, and suppress pain, which tend to lead to greater happiness and health. Like the science is there to support the faith statement that Jesus gave us. A lot of people think that faith is based on, you know, when you don't know the answers. It's not true. Faith is based on facts. Like it's, it, it's actually true scientifically that when I give, something happens inside of me and joy increases and happiness goes up. Jesus said it before the science came in. It is more blessed to give than it is to receive. Wow. You know, in the Bible, there's a great example of a group of people. They were, they were Christians in a, in a little town called Macedonia, and Paul had planted a church in Macedonia. He had planted several different churches in the region. There was one church in Jerusalem. There was one church in Corinth, and we have 1 Corinthians, 2 Corinthians, or letters written to those churches. There was a church in Ephesus. Well, apparently at this particular time, when he was writing the letter to, to, to 2 Corinthians, the, the church in Jerusalem was going through a very, very tough time financially. They had almost no money. And so Paul was taking an offering from all the different churches in the region. And this one particular church in Macedonia was very poor as well. So Paul was going to skip them. He was going to say, you guys don't have any money. Like, it's ridiculous. You're just as poor. Like, we need to take an offering up for you after we take one up for the Christians at Jerusalem. So he was just going to pass them. But they ended up giving anyway. And so then he's writing this letter to the Corinthians to motivate them to act like the Christians in Macedonia. That's the context of, of the verses I'm about to read to you. Listen to what he says here. These Christians in Macedonia, they were being tested by many troubles. They were going through a lot of hardship. And on top of the hardship, the trial, they were very poor. Then he says, but they were also filled with abundant joy. Now, I could preach a whole different sermon on this. A lot of us think that joy comes from our circumstances. <laughs> Not so. It actually comes from the supernatural realm. It comes from God. It doesn't come from having great you know, circumstances and a lot of money. Amen? Or oh me, (laughs) right? These guys had joy that didn't come from their circumstances. And this abundant joy overflowed, say it with me, in rich generosity. Which before we move on, I just have to point out the reality that a lot of us think that generosity is for the rich people. (laughs) Not so. These people were very what? Say it with me. They were poor and yet they were generous. 
See, it's not about the amount that you give. It's about the heart behind it. So Paul was motivating the Corinthians who were not poor (laughs) and they were not so generous. He's saying, guys, you guys have money and you're not going through a lot of problems. You need to act more like the Macedonians who are poor, but yet they're rich in generosity. Listen to what he says in verse four. They begged us again and again for the, say with me, privilege. These Macedonians said, whoa, 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 whoa. You cannot leave us out of this offering that you're bringing to Jerusalem. How dare you? You, you have to include us. We, 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 we're going to plead with you. Watch this. They urgently pleaded so that they can be involved in sharing the gift for the believers in Jerusalem. That's amazing to me. Why did they beg and beg? Why did they urgently plead? Here's why. Because they knew that it is more blessed to give than it is to receive. They knew that there's a happiness that comes from generosity. <laughs> not, from, not from getting more and more and more for yourself and accumulating and buying more stuff. No, no, no. That's, that's, not, that's not where life is truly found. And so they begged Paul. You know, I don't see a lot of that going on in our, our church today. When this offering bucket is passed, people get nervous. <laughs> see, you're nervous right now. <laughs> oh, he's got the bucket. The bucket. I hate the bucket. When this bucket gets passed, it's, it's awkward, isn't it? Right? I, don't, I don't see people saying, will you, will you pass the bucket? I want to put my money in there. Come on, let's go, let's go, let's go. You know, give me that, give me that bucket to put my money in here. You know, I'm not going to miss my opportunity to give. I don't see that. Here's what I see. Pass that thing out of here. <laughs> it's like a hot potato. <laughs> want that thing. Get rid of it as fast as we can. Not these Christians. These, are, these guys are like, where is that bucket? Dude, will you stop singing and stop preaching? Where's the bucket? Don't let me miss an opportunity to give. I don't have people lining up after the service. Man, I missed the offering. Where's the bucket? I don't have to see that. There's no epidemic of generosity among God's people today. But there was. With these Macedonians, they're like, oh, give me, give me the bucket. Where's it at? I want to give. That God, oh, that God would change our hearts. There's a guy named Jose in our church. He's here today. He's, he's served on our offering team at the 1115 service. He's, he's helped lead the team and with the offering and seating. He's on the host team. Some of you know who he is. He's here today in the service. And Back in 2016, in December, he had to have emergency brain surgery. It it could have took his life. And so he had to take a break from serving, and God was with him, and the surgery went well. He's still struggling with some some side effects uh, to the surgery. But three months later, where do you think Jose was in March of this year? Three months after brain surgery. He was back serving on the offering team and seating people here. Some of you today were sat by Jose. We asked him a couple of questions about his generosity and giving of his time. This is, what he, this is the question we asked him. We said, why do you serve so much? Here's what he said, because I like to help people and the Bible says that the last shall be first. We've come into this world to serve. Then we asked him, we said, how, did, how does serving make you feel? He said, I feel a great satisfaction in being able to do something for God. Great satisfaction. Then we ask him, why did you come back so quickly after your surgery and even though you're still going through some difficulties and and troubles? He said, because I feel so very blessed. 
I am thankful to God for giving me a second chance at life. And then he said this, I believe I must do more for the church. Wow. Jose is living the blessed life. He's moved into this area of generosity. Let me ask you a question today. How about you? Where are you? Are you part of the the 14%? Are you part of the 76%? Where are you? when it comes to generosity and giving of your resources and your time? Well, I can answer that question for most of you because I'm the pastor and I sort of lead this church with a team of people and I know the, I know the information, what I need to know, not nothing further about where we're at as a church. And here's where we're at as a church. 30, 29% of you support the church financially. 29%. So when I say, where are you? That means 71% of you have, have, have just opted out. They say, you know what? They probably have everything they need. Lots of stuff going on. Lights, smoke. 29% have decided to jump on board. Here's the, here, that breaks my heart, but this breaks my heart even more. 12% serve. Just 12%. My assistant told me the other day that one of our staff members had to make 50 phone calls to get one volunteer for our children's ministry. Let that sink in. 50 phone calls for one volunteer in our children's ministry this weekend. There is no epidemic of generosity going on today among Christ's followers. The phone is not ringing at the church here saying, hey, I've got an hour, what can I do, help? It's not ringing. No one's saying, where's the bucket? I missed my shot, missed my chance. It's not happening. It can, but it's not. See, most of us are, are where where Sheila Matthews uh, described. This, this, is where, this is where most of us are out. Shayla Matthews described it this way. If it's, more blessed than it is to, if it's more blessed to give than it is to receive, then most of us are content to let the other fellow have the greater blessing. Most of us are still in that mindset of, no, 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 true happiness comes when it's all my time, all my free time is my free time, and all my money is my money. Most of us are still there. We haven't yet placed our faith in what Jesus had said, that you know what, true life, life that is truly life, comes when those who have extra are willing to share and give it away. We're just not there. So, so here's, here's where I'm at, ready, here's where I'm at. I'm not trying to make you feel bad. I'm not trying to make you feel guilty. Here's, here's where I'm at, I am your coach. I'm your spiritual coach, like I'm your pastor. So if you looked at this like a, like a sports team or something like that, and, and the team goes out, and it's 29-12, and that's, that's what we're doing right now. We're doing 29-12. And the coach comes along and says, 29-12? Guys, we can do better than 29-12. Surely we can do better. Anybody agree? Does anybody on the team agree that we can do better than 29-12? Anybody? Like, yeah, I mean, so it's not, a, it's not about guilt. It's not about shame. It's not about, oh, man, he's so mean. What a mean pastor. I'm never coming back. No, 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 no. I believe in our potential as a church. We can do better than 29-12. Yes or no? So I'm, I'm up here going, come on, guys. Like, 29-12? Like, that's crazy. Like, and here's the, cra- here's the crazy part. You want to know crazy? Watch this. I'm about to go crazy. Watch this. We're doing amazing things on 2912. Like there's churches being launched in Haiti and Nicaragua. I have seen them with my eyeballs. You all are helping launch churches in Haiti, Nicaragua, Colombia. You're helping us launch a, ch- a campus in Franklin. God is doing amazing things on 2912. What in the world would happen if that 2912 went to 7565? 
sickness. That's what would happen. Like, like you would not be able to, like you would not even know what our, what our church is. Our church would look totally different. 65, 55, 75, 65. I mean, we'd be launching campuses once a year in this country, in other countries. It would be unbelievable. But here we are, 2912. And I'm going, no! Listen, Jackie and I, we, we will go first. We give the 10% plus more. We volunteer. My wife works in the children's ministry. Like, we're going first. Follow our lead. Follow our lead. I am your coach. I'm not here to make you feel guilty or ashamed. I'm just saying, dude, ladies, gentlemen, we could kill it if we stepped our game up. And that's what this series is all about. It is more blessed to give than it is to receive. Generosity is not for rich people. It is for everybody. My little daughter, she's 12 years old. She babysat for a small group this week. She made 20 bucks. She wanted to give the whole 20 bucks away. I said, no, <laughs> slow down. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Let's do our 10% tithe and let's be generous. Let's go above and beyond that. Let's do maybe another 10% to, to be the change. Right now our students are doing this be the change deal, you know, where we're, we're packing, you know, backpacks for kids in Nicaragua for school supplies. And it's awesome. You're going to get, you ought to get involved with it and, and be generous. But then God, God doesn't want you to give 100%. Like, God, he wants you to have some things for yourself. Listen, if my 12-year-old could do it, could you do it? Yes or no? If the Macedonians in 1 Corinthians could do it, could you do it? Yes or no? We can get this done. And God would start doing amazing things. And guess what? They'll have to do articles, and it's not about articles. They'll have to do news reports. It's not about news reports, but they will have to because it will be crazy what happens. <laughs> they say, you're not going to believe what God's doing through this church in Greenwood, in Indiana, that's impacting the world, the entire world. I want to be part of that. How about you? Amen. 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 Where does it all start? Let me say this. Where does it all start? Here's where it starts. It starts with you giving your life to Christ. There's some of you here today. You have not stepped into the generosity, the offer that's on the table. Here's the offer. I'll, I'll go back to it in 1 John chapter 4. God shows how much he loves us by sending his one and only son. Not one out of 20. His one and only son, his most prized possession into the world so that we might have eternal life through him. Some of you have not stepped into that today. Your opportunity is right now. Jesus says, come to me right now. I died on the cross for your sins. I made a way for you. Trust me right now. You need to enter into that, receive his grace, receive his love, step into eternal life and abundant life. He died on the cross for you to pave the way, to, to, to build a bridge for you. Maybe you're watching online. You need, to, you need to take this step. You need to put your faith in Christ. You say, how do I do that? Listen, it's, a, it's, it's faith and you express that faith through prayer and you just say to Jesus, I love you. I believe in you. I believe you died on the cross for me. I'm putting my confidence in you. Right now, you become a Christ follower. And if you'd like to make that decision, I'm gonna, right now, in this holy moment, if, if you have to leave, please leave quietly. If you don't have to leave, please stay seated. Don't distract anybody. And you put your faith and confidence in Christ right now in this very holy moment. Would you close your eyes with me? And just say this simple prayer. I'll give you the words. Take them, make them your own. Jesus, I trust you today. 
I don't have all the answers. In fact, I still have doubts. But today, with the little faith that I have, I put my confidence in you. I believe that you love me enough to even die on the cross for me so that I can experience life, life the way it was meant to be lived. So come into my life right now, invade me, wash away all my sin, my guilt, my shame. You conquered all of that on the cross, dying and rising for me. I trust you with my life. And from this point forward, give me the wisdom to imitate you. Imitate your love that overflows with generosity, to be rich in good deeds, to be willing to share and find life that is truly life. I love you. It's in Christ's name I pray, amen. Church, can we give God glory today? Come on, come on, get it louder. Come on guys, this is exciting. On your way out, on your way out, if you prayed to receive Christ today, if you, if you did it online, there's a little box there you can check. Uh, if you did it here live, there's Bibles in the back here we would like to put in your hands if you prayed to receive Christ. 11 people trusted Christ last week, amen. They got their Bibles. If you prayed to receive Christ today, come on down here. We'll give you one of these on the way out. It's important that you start getting into the word, get God's word into your mind and your heart. It says this, his word is a lamp unto our feet and a light unto our path, okay? So we gotta get God's word into our mind, into our heart. So I wanna give God one more time, big praise, amen. Praise the Lord. Last challenge and then we'll get out of here. So I'm, I'm big into experiments, right? I love experiments. Take what you heard today about generosity. It's more blessed to give than it is to receive. A generous person experiences increased levels of happiness. I'm sweating like a dog up here. Here's what I want you to do, ready? Go run an experiment. Go give something away. Go into your house, go into your closet. Don't sell it on eBay, give it away. You got some extra money, you got some extra cash, look for somebody to give it to. And then when you give it, not just your money, but also your time, right? Give some time away. And after you're done, just, just do a little eval. You ever do an eval right at the end of the day? How'd that go, right? Just do a little eval, how do I feel? How do I feel? Do I feel increased levels of joy, increased levels of happiness? And if you feel it, do it again the next day. And maybe you can't give away a lot of money, but you can give away a dollar. <laughs> you give away a, uh, an hour, 15 minutes, right? And you just watch and see how your, in, your joy levels just start going up and up and up. Run a little experiment with what you heard today and see what God does. Good challenge? All right, let's pray. Father, we love you. Thank you so, so much for modeling the way. Jesus, you laid your life down. You said there's no greater love than when a person lays down his life for his friends. You did it. You didn't just talk about it, you did it. And then you challenged us to imitate your example, to be willing to lay our lives down, to be, live, to be willing to, to give away and share what the resources that we have. God, we wanna be caught up in eternal life, in abundant life. We wanna partner with you, help us to move towards generosity. And we'll give you all the glory and all the praise. It's in Christ's name we pray, amen. Hey, I love you guys. Next week, I'll be right here. See ya, bring a friend.